Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Andrew Schreier with Talking Addiction and Recovery. And today's episode is really going to focus on a specific tool that I give to help people cope with urges when they have a desire to use alcohol or drugs or another addictive substance. I'm not going to get too much into detail about cravings in particular. I'm going to give a little bit of background. There will be another time to get more into what's going on, what's happening, even like the misunderstandings about it and everything, because I know it's one thing that the individual has a difficult time with, but I also know that it's something that people who do not have an addiction or who do not work in this field have a hard time understanding what's going on. But that's for a whole different episode. This one's really specifically about a a tool that I give to people when they talk about having urges and a hard time coping with it. Just this past week, I had two clients back to back. One was seeing me for pornography, one was seeing me for alcohol. And in both sessions, they talked about having a difficult time when they have thoughts about it or when they start to have cravings and urges. And right there and then I said, hey, let's talk about my 10 plus one coping skill technique. And I'm going to walk you through what I do with people in session so someone can do the same thing. But when it comes to cravings, it's one of the biggest difficulties someone has when they are stopping their use or trying to prevent a relapse from happening as they face cravings. And a craving is produced normally because someone has been using something or engaging in behavior for quite some time. And it's one of the most frequent causes of relapse, even after someone's been abstinent for a while. People who have decided to stop drinking uh, may change their mind when they're offered a drink. They may all of a sudden be triggered by something. It produces a powerful and often like overwhelming urge to consume something or engage in something. It often really takes over the system, the mind. People can recall memories. They can uh, report feeling the effects of the drug even before they consume it. And there's also plenty of people who even they report having smells with it, that they can even taste things even though they have not even done that, which is all about what's going on in the brain and what's being uh, triggered and all that kind of stuff that's going on. And it becomes extremely, extremely difficult. It becomes overwhelming. And a lot of the times, the only way that someone often believes they're going to get out of it or have the urge or the distress go away is to engage in that behavior again and it's they can be very irrational they can easily go against what we want to do what we know what's best for us Uh, it can create this momentary distress chaos that can lead back to using and that's the biggest concern but one thing is to take a look at is that cravings are a normal part of you know, recovery in this process. It doesn't mean that someone's weak, that they're going crazy, that they're doomed, that their program's not working. It's all things that happen. Now, it doesn't mean because someone has a craving that they have to go use again. I think that's one of the things that people confuse is that, oh, well, I had a craving or someone had a craving, so that means that they needed to go use. It doesn't mean that, but it is a part of that addiction And recovery has to try and manage that or deal with that. Triggers often bring on cravings. So people get triggered by certain things, whether that's stress, whether that's boredom, 
whether that's a specific situation. And over my years, the things that trigger people, you don't even know exactly what they are until you start to talk with them, have them break down what goes on in their life, what are they experiencing? Because there's people who get triggered by, I remember someone getting triggered by billboards for drinking. I know a lot of people who, when they get triggered by the freeway signs going downtown, because that's what they would do to go get their drugs. I know for one person, it was a glass at his house that was triggering to him because it was always the glass. He had a particular glass that he used for his alcohol. So triggers and cravings are, the triggers are different for a lot of people. And there's internal ones, external ones, you know, the environment, um, certain things, feelings, situations, is that it all of a sudden causes someone to want to drink or use. And that's why a lot of times you look at doing things, activities, exercises, and exploration of what are your triggers to be aware of them. And sometimes we don't know until they happen. There's a lot of times where we find out because someone reported something happened and then all of a sudden they realize that was a trigger that led to an urge. So there's no way to say, if I got someone brand new coming to see me and they're talking about um, their life, there's no way to just be like, oh yeah, here's the standard for everyone. No, there's some things that we can look at as high risk. There are things that we can look at as um, being a safety risk for their recovery or things that might um, lead to continued using. But there's no way to be like, yep, that's triggering you. Like, we have to discuss it and talk about it. But triggers is a huge point of addiction, treatment, and recovery. The other thing to get into is that cravings are temporary. And they can be overwhelming. It can feel like it's going to last forever. But the moment often passes. And the crazy part is... There's a lot of people that you never know if they held on another minute, few seconds, where that could have been enough for the urge to subside. And there's a big question on like how long do cravings last? And it really varies. Uh, the science, from what I've seen recently, hasn't really been able to like pin down like an exact length of time that says like, well, this is for everyone. It's it all depends on what's going on how long someone's been using, what they're using, what they were triggered by. All these things can factor in how long they've been sober um, from the, the substance. Like, There's so many different variations. People are all different and unique that it's really hard to tell. But one thing is that everyone seems to agree that the duration of it and strength of it is influenced by the things that you're around. So staying around it longer, being around it longer is going to make that more difficult but even when you're not around something you can still be triggered by it so it usually lasts for a short time but it has a high intense peak hence where we get into the idea of calling this like a a wave Uh, another way of looking at it is like a bell shape but it's similar to a wave because there's things can be going smooth just fine then all of a sudden like trigger happens and that urge grows in intensity and gets higher and higher and someone really can't deal with the distress of it and the overwhelming sense of it and using is what takes that away for a lot of people when they they relapse 
there's a lot of resources out there for like coping with it when it comes to like an urge surfing. The way I really learned about this at first was through a mindfulness-based relapse prevention program that had a really good meditation for dealing with urges. If you YouTube and look it up or Google it, you can find it. Um, but it's a really great meditation exercise that I would do in group and with um, clients and patients in session as well. So this wave idea though is where I started to work on what I call the 10 plus one. So what I do is I describe to the person the urge and how it becomes overwhelming and encompassing as if you are going to drown. Like it feels like it's drowning you. And the only way to be saved or to be rescued is to use again because it will take away that urge. It does do that. However, now you have to deal with the consequences and destruction of using again or relapsing. So even though it feels like it rescues you from the uh, overwhelming sense of the urge to use, it's going to cause more problems again and make life that more difficult. So when we look at, talk about like a wave, um, I, I like to use the, the wave pool as an example. If you've ever been to one, this will really, really grab your attention and help you see this connection. But I was fortunate enough where my parents uh, took my siblings and I to Disney. We used to go to Typhoon Lagoon's water park and it was known for their giant wave pool. And it was just this big, huge wave pool that on one end, there was a roped off area. And at the bottom, there was like these giant machines that would generate these waves. And a bunch of people would be scattered throughout the the pool and all of a sudden you'd hear this noise and then like seconds later you hear this loud noise of this wave generating and you'd hear a bunch of people you know screaming and ooing and ahhing and all that kind of stuff and this is almost like the experience of now all of a sudden you get triggered and something triggers you and your body is now like oh now I want to use now depending where you are kind of symbolizes where you might be in the pool so the further you are it might be better the closer you are it might be a little more difficult but here's where we get into coping with urges in this example so i talk about there are three people in the wave pool three different types first type is the swimmer who sees the wave coming and they try and swim right at it so all of a sudden here it comes, the person swims right at it and it's like swimming into a brick wall. They get hit and they get sent backwards. Boom. Now that's the example of like fighting. When you fight it, look what happens. Second type of person, they hear the wave, it starts to come, they turn around, they try and swim away from it, they get shot out like a cannon. They go super fast. And that's like when we try to avoid it or escape it. Now, the third type of person is a person who, as the wave comes, they stay where they are. As it approaches them, they learn how to ride on top of the wave, continue to ride it until it subsides and land pretty close to where they were before. You might give a little bit of room where they might have moved a little bit or Sometimes you get someone knocked into you because they're trying to do one or two. But that third person learns how to ride the wave. And they don't get knocked over by it 
from fighting it. They don't get shot away from it because of trying to avoid it or escape it. They learn to ride it as it comes and they learn subside with it and they're okay. They're right where they were. This is exactly what we are trying to do when the urge happens is deal with the intensity of it until it subsides. So the 10 plus one coping skill is exactly what I try and do to provide people with as far as like a coping technique to help you ride the wave. So here's what you do. You write down a list of 10 coping skills and the plus one at the bottom is the substance or behavior such as like cocaine or alcohol use, maybe gambling, pornography. You put that as the one at the bottom. So there's 10 of them and you put the 11th one is that. Now, Everyone always asks, why would you have the plus one? I thought we're trying not to do that. Well, here's the reality. It is an option. That is one that is going to be chosen if the person can't cope and deal with it. And I have found that recognizing that is helpful because we're not trying to avoid it. Remember, what happens to the person who swims away from the wave still gets knocked back. So I'm not trying to be in denial that no, it's not an option anymore because that often doesn't work when you have an urge to do something that is always an option to have what normally happens is someone tries one coping skill and then it doesn't work they go right to using they go from one all the way to 11 without trying the others they say well breathing didn't work so i went right to using you know ask someone when they had an urge and they experienced a relapse, well, what, what coping skills did you try? They may have said, well, I tried this and it didn't work. I did this one thing, it didn't work. Think of it this way. I take a piece of paper and I will draw a wave or I'll do it on a whiteboard or something. And I will then take the numbers and put one through 10 along the continuum of the wave. And as you'll notice, the one, the two, the three, so it starts to go up and then it starts to subside. The point of this is that it really helps the person see that when they just did one thing and that's it, where is that one located? And it's located right at the beginning. So when you tried it then and then you stopped, it wasn't even the most highest intensity of the urge. So no wonder why it didn't work. That's like the wave pool. Remember, this is why I like the example of the wave pool. The wave pool making that noise is like, boom, that's the trigger. Now all of a sudden it's like, I'm, it's starting. I can see it. It's not here yet. I'm going to use my one coping skill of just, I'm going to swim a little bit. Then I'm just going to stop. Like that's what that's it, the example of that is. So you try and do a little swimming. The wave's not even at you yet. But then all of a sudden it gets to you, which is the intensity growing and growing. And if you're not doing anything, it's going to knock you right over. I guess the fourth type of person is the person who just does nothing and lets it knock them over. But that's why when you do this 10 plus 1, I write down those numbers across the whole wave so that the person can actually take their list, take the 10 things they wrote down, and they can actually write them on that wave 
They can write down the things to show that as you're working through them, this is what you're going to experience. So there's no question to me that some people try one thing, which I don't, I don't call someone, well, yeah, they didn't even try it. That's not the, the point. If you didn't try it, you didn't try it. I get that. But I do understand that some people may have said, yeah, I did try and do this, this one thing, and it didn't work. I did try breathing, and I still relapsed. I get that. The point is, as the urge intensifies, by the time you just tried that first thing, it hasn't even gotten to its peak intensity yet. So that's why you got to do multiple things. So what I tell people is by creating your list, add a couple of different things in there. I was talking about do something physical like breathing, um, jumping jacks, maybe push-ups, go for a walk. Do something on there that's going to help you with your emotions. Do something that might be distracting to you, maybe listening to a song or doing something that would actually distract you. Add in what's going to help you with some of your thoughts. So thought-stopping strategies and things that are going to help you when it comes to having those those addictive thoughts have some skills in there that's going to help out with that and also has some skills that's going to help out with support so add on there call this person or add on there do this so what i've realized is there's a bunch of benefits to having this sort of a list when it comes to dealing with this urge surf is that one it's going to carry you through the wave on top of it and continue to help you cope even when it's gone. So as you line it up, it's going to be with you as you start, but then it's also going to be with you afterwards to continue to help you so that it doesn't all of a sudden lead to like, because it makes, it helps you make a choice then. I got through it and now I need a coping way to help me just continue with that. Another thing I've noticed that it's going to really, really help with timing. If you do 10 things, and let's say each thing took a minute or two, you're talking about more than likely 10 to 20 minutes of having your time occupied. I know that more than likely, if a lot of clients and patients that I've had had 10 or 20 minutes of time to cope with the urge, and to not use, there's a good likelihood that that urge would have subsided by then. So it helps you to keep time on your side. Instead of trying breathing once, and you try breathing for maybe 30 seconds, then well, that's it. Well, now you're not doing any more coping skills for the remainder of the urge. But if you have a list of these things, it will grow and grow and make it where time is on your side versus time being against you. I have also used this sometimes as a challenge to people because sometimes when we make this list, someone will tell me, you know, I can do all these things and still engage in the behavior or I can still use. And this is where I use it to kind of show that when it comes to an addiction, the substance or the behavior becomes first and everything else becomes last. I've had people write down a list of things and show that they can accomplish all of them and still use and there's no problem. And I say, oh, well, let's let's see. 
you know if they're thinking that way they're probably going to do it so i don't give them you know permission to go use but what i do is say well show me do all these things and let's see if you get to 11 i have never yet could still happen so i'm never gonna say it'll never happen but i have not had someone tell me aj i did all 10 and then i used people that tell me they did number one and stopped doing the rest people will tell me they got to maybe halfway through or towards the end but they didn't use or people tell me they used and then they got nothing else done on the list which goes to show that when using happens, when it comes to an addiction, it always takes first priority. And often than not, a lot of other things become neglected or don't get done at all. There's plenty of people who tell me, oh, I'll still do this. I can do that. I'll take care of this. And then using, and because of the addiction to it, it takes up a lot of time, takes up a lot of energy. You become preoccupied with it. And these other things do not get done at all. So it also helps to realize that when you put other things first, they're doable, you can accomplish them, and that helps you overcome the urge and you don't use and relapse. However, when you say, I'm going to go use or engage in this behavior, but I'm still going to do all these things and get those things done, that often doesn't happen. And that just shows us that the first priority is using and everything else becomes last or obsolete. So one of the things that someone can do, and this is what I did with those two people just this week, was we literally sat down in the office. We wrote a list of 10, put a plus one on there. At the bottom of the piece of paper, drew a wave, wrote down all of the 10 things, And this was their coping list and strategy for dealing with urges and cravings. I've had people put these like in their wallet. I've had people put the, take a picture of it, uh, hang it somewhere, put it somewhere that was really useful. But the goal was to get through all those 10 things. If you do those 10 things, you have a higher likelihood of learning how to ride that wave, getting through it without drowning from it without being pulled under, without being knocked back, which is what happens in the wave pool. So I encourage people to look at applying this skill. And I've also had, uh, this is one that a lot of therapists also uh, in the places that I work have really enjoyed as well. I've described it multiple times, which is one of the reasons why I'm doing the podcast episode. And sometimes they ask, well, can this be used for other things? And the answer is yes. Like there's urges when it comes to alcohol and drugs and addiction and addictive behaviors. There's also a lot of urges to do other things too. I mean, there's urges when it comes to anger, there's urges when it comes to engaging in other behaviors. Doesn't necessarily mean like it's an addiction, but I tell them it's the same philosophy would work is that there's an urge to do something, to act a certain way, to respond to first a certain way and to try and cope with that you can do the same thing so this isn't just one that has to be tied down to only if you have an addiction but anything that you are trying to avoid doing not doing 
behavior that you're not you don't want to go back to you want to try and stop yourself from doing it but you have a hard time this urge surfing coping skill works and it, it helps a lot and that's why I, I really get enthusiastic about it the doing it on paper uh, in session is really fun to do there's a lot it's very receptive to it you know there's a lot of oh I get that that makes sense I understand that so be the person in the wave pool that when that gets triggered and you start to hear that and you see it coming is start working on coping with riding the wave don't be the person that gets knocked back or pushed back learn how to ride the wave hope you learned something looking forward to next time